Yeah, I love horses. Wait, my, hold on a second. My, Horse huh? stalls is one of your favorite smells. It really <laughs> is. Like the straw and the hay and the food and the horses, like the horse sweat and whatnot. I love it. Uh, hey, end of summer. Uh, so what is it? Is it, is it? is it really the end of summer? Uh, actually, technically, I think it's this September 21st is the end of summer. That's the right? solstice. But yeah. we, we, we mark Labor Day as, as the end of summer, right? Uh, yes, uh, the, in America. The, the kids are back in school, whatnot. Yeah. By the way, high on you. High on you. And, That's the, the one. and the search is over. Wait, didn't, who did, no, that was John, who did the St. Elmo's Fire song? That was John, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John somebody. Keep that going, I'll figure thing. it out. All right. Uh, you'll figure it out. You'll look it up. You're not figuring anything out. I'm looking it up. That's right. Uh, okay, so today's Tuesday. Um... And uh, end of summer. Hope you guys had a had a good a good a good run. Uh, you couldn't tell it's the end of summer in California because it's still obscenely hot. Yeah, it's hotter uh, hotter here than it was all summer today. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's been in the eighties at night. Like at nine o'clock at night, it's still eighty degrees outside. Yeah, yeah. blech. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and uh, and and you're listening to on taking pictures. And with me is is uh, the 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 hmm, the muggy. The full, of, the full of sumatriptan. Bill yeah, Wadman. the 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 drugged up so his head doesn't explode. Yeah, uh, Bill Wadman. They always it's always a good day when I'm on my drugs. Yeah, uh, so we're here uh, each and every week. We're talking about photography and uh, creativity and stuff like that. Um, hey, uh, you did some traveling over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was down. Uh, Pits, uh, um, uh, Princeton for a night for like eight hours. And then we were up at my mother's house. We didn't go on a boat though. So we were lucky to do that. Yeah. But, uh, sat on the thing. Yeah. It was, it's, you know, it's nice getting out of the city every once in a while for a couple of days, eat some lobster rolls. You got to do a Connecticut style though, which is hot lobster and poured butter over the top, like in a hot dog roll. Nope. You don't like lobster? No, I don't like lobster either, but this lobster roll was delicious. No, no. Mm. Anyway, go ahead. You know, just... I, I, I want to go to Nathan's when I when I come. Hot there. dogs. Yeah. Oh yeah. I want to go to what, is Coney Island. Is that where sure, it is? We can go to Coney Island. It's yeah. right on my train line. Yeah. Uh, so I I didn't leave the house much. I mean, I rode my bike, uh, uh, but I painted. I finished. I finished a new painting. And uh, am I allowed to say that I've seen it? The painting. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, Wait, what? <laughs> it's good. Good work. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, first, first new thematic work that I've done in five years. About time, damn it. Good for I you. Know, I'm very excited about it. So I've got a whole series that I've been working on. It's, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I think this piece will be up on, uh, on my, my site later today. Okay, there you go. So it's, you know, jeffreysedores.com. So I don't have uh, the exclusive yeah. for long. Not, not long, no. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's been really interesting to get back into making things again in this way. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm reminded because this piece, this particular piece was going, I, I wanted it to go in one direction and it decided it wanted to go in a completely different direction. And I think it's better for it. Uh, well, you know what? I think, well, do you want to talk about the other thing or do you want to get, because there's things in the Dorothea Lang documentary that I, that I think are, are very good things to bring up in this thing. Should we go in there this, or not go there? 
Yeah, let's 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 okay. go there. I, I I watched it last night, and she mm-hmm. one of the things she says a number of times is she talks about getting lost. Yep. Yep. You know that you that she she I, I I'm about two thirds of the way through it, but you're right. She is of the opinion you have to get lost and right. let the work take you over. And I think she means both physically in the world and in your own head. Mm-hmm. And and to get to the point, she says a number of times where I'm I'm only an observer, like uh, that I'm not Dorothea Lang anymore. I'm just this person with a camera, you know. That it's not about me at all. That I'm sort of I, I'm outside of myself. And I I think what she's really describing is just sort of that flow state, you know. Sure, um, sure. And I, and and I think that's I, what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and every every piece of work that I've done that I've, that I've liked, that I've liked the end product has been completely different than where I thought it was going to go when I started it. It does make you question why we bother planning things at all. If that's tends to be the case. See what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Or, yeah, or, or rather why we put so much weight on planning when I in think, the end we tend to influence. like the things that don't. Yeah, I guess so. I Maybe. guess it sets you off in a direction but when you get careened to the sides and you end up with better stuff, you kind of go, why did I worry so much about the initial direction? Could yeah. it have been just any direction would have gotten me somewhere? That's a, that's a great question. And I, and I don't know that I've got any sort of cohesive answer. You know, yeah. when, when, I, when I started this particular piece, I wanted to do just sort of this almost sort of de Kooning-esque, you know, Cy Twombly-esque kind of abstraction. Yeah. And the more I got into it and the more I started layering things and building texture and, and I thought, you know, this, some sort of, 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 you know, graphic-y, design-y, almost collage kind of element could go here. And then that kind of inspired something else and something else and something else. And, you know, 25 layers later, I, I, I've got this thing that, that about halfway through went, you know, I, I kind of went, wow, this is this is kind of a great extension of or evolution, rather, of this previous body of work that I had done five years ago. I mean, it still explores some of the similar themes of, of power and corruption and greed. And so, and so basically you're picking up where you left off. Um, maybe not exactly where I left off. In fact, I don't think it's exactly where I left off. I think it's, you know, further down the road, but it's but it's it's in it's in the same vein. Yeah. You know, and th- these are areas that fascinate me, this idea of, of secrets and lies and information and who controls it and to what end. And um, so I, I, I'm excited about it. You know, let me ask you a question. And uh, this is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll point it at you and me just to make it. It's not it's not uh, any sort of. Um, do you think that, OK, you just said that y- y- you were looking for a de Kooning, Cy Twombly kind of thing. I mentioned Rauschenberg when I saw your thing. Do you think that you would be making stuff that looked like this if it weren't for guys like that doing it before? You know, in much the same way that would I be taking the kind of pictures I take if I had never seen Karsh before? You know, you see what I don't I'm saying? know. I, you know, I think about that. Yeah, I do see what you're saying. I think about that a lot. And and. Are, are we, I wonder a lot, are we extensions of our influences? Like, yeah. you know, who, who's the guy that came up with it first? And yeah. Yeah. Did, was did, he or she influenced by anything? Yeah, the places that Picasso was going with his painting with, you know, cubism and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he was really, he was out there on a limb. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's not like somebody was doing cubism in 1850 and then you see what I'm saying? And yeah, I, I mean, I, I, was, sometimes I wonder if uh, you know, are are uh, it, hmm are we adding anything by and I'm putting myself in the same thing parroting a style of something somebody's done with our own we're using our own words but we're using uh, a vocabulary that other people have invented before us. Is that I fair? don't know. Unfair. I mean, I, I, I think don't know. If 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 you're parroting, if you're just sort of ripping it off, yes, I'm I'm hoping that I'm that I'm pulling influences from yeah. not just Rauschenberg or de Kooning or but you know I'm a little bit of all I'm, of them plus a little bit of you. Yeah, yep. And maybe some Shepard Fairey and yeah. maybe you know some Banksy and maybe some you know I'm hoping that that all of that input is is going through a grid my grid or my filter or my you know process somehow and coming out a little different on the other side yep sure i i think that you can look at my stuff and see some of those influences but i i don't think they're sort of direct ripoffs or or homages as as lots of artists and painters and things like to call them yeah uh but i don't think they're they're i think they're indirectly influenced um, yeah. I don't know. The whole concept of influencers and influences, it's, that's, a, that's a fascinating gray area. Yeah. Would anybody um, be doing, you know, big face portraits against pure white? Right. Is, is that automatically a ripoff? Right. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, would pop music exist if it weren't for the Beatles? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't, I, I, you know, I guess somebody would have done it. And, you know, does this, I, I just, I, it, I find it fascinating. I, I I'm, tend to think I'm that glad that you're I'm glad that you're working and I'm glad that you're starting new thanks. stuff and I think that it's cool that it's it feels like it, it's sort of you're picking up the brush you put down a while ago and 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 you're still saying the next logical thing you know I hope yeah, yeah. maybe anyway or, let's get back yeah, to Dorothea that's how you feel about it so yeah. okay so we watched this I you know you've watched two thirds I watched the whole thing last night it's all right the first two thirds are the more important part anyway yeah um. Can I just say a couple stylistic things about it? That sure. kind of okay. It, so it's her granddaughter who is the director creator of this thing, right? And uh, what some is her of name? the uh, Taylor, yeah, something, something Taylor. We'll look it up. Uh, some of the time she's speaking in sort of a third person voice and interviewing people, and it feels like a very standard documentary. Right. Some of the time she says, my grandmother this or my grandfather that. And I feel like she needed to choose one or the other. Like it felt... To, to anchor the narrative. Yeah. Okay. Like it felt like sometimes she was talking as, as the grandchild and sometimes she was talking as a documentary filmmaker. And both are reasonable ways to come at it, but you were mixing the two was confusing. Not con, not confusing like I didn't understand what going on, but it was... It was uh, it, it, every time she switched, I noticed it, you know, when right. she like mentioned things and I was like, eh. and she made some really bad choices in music. But, um, but, but I thought that, I mean, watching most of it seemed to be a lot of it seemed to be that footage while she was preparing her MoMA show. Uh, th- there was a lot of that. Yeah. Which, which was fascinating. Absolutely. And, and yeah, to cull through, a- what I what I found really interesting about it was when she's culling through and she's looking at negatives and and going, nope, that's 
that just doesn't make the cut and throws them away. I mean, she's yeah. she's making final edits right there, tossing negatives. Yeah. Not, yeah. well, let's just keep this for posterity, but this doesn't make the cut. It's out. Yeah, yeah. And and she's at, I mean, shooting the kind of stuff she was shooting and the camera she was shooting and stuff. She was shooting four by five. She was shooting, uh, when she was looking through all the old stuff, they were bigger negatives, right? Yep. Which means she wasn't shooting 36 frames a roll and shooting like a lot. Even the migrant mother thing, what are there, six or seven images of those people? Okay, six or seven pictures for one shoot of one person, not 70 or 700 like a lot right. of people today. So right. you could go through her entire catalog of pictures and maybe the whole thing is only 3,000 pictures, you know, or 5,000. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's a reasonable number that you could go through the whole thing. But there's a scene where she's talking talking to uh, uh, Zerkowski, uh, okay. the MoMA uh, curator, that, right? And she says something along the lines of, uh, I, "I I don't can we just leave the photographs as is? I don't none of this business about the feelings of my work. Something something along that line. Basically, mm-hmm. like I don't want labels that talk about what this means. I just want to have the picture up there." Right. You know, let people don't, come don't, up with their Don't own put thing. the little white card next to it trying to explain what was in my head. Yeah. Yep. And 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 yet at the same exact time, like in the same documentary, <laughs> the woman, the the director decided to interview people where they're doing exactly that. <laughs> you know, by putting all these words on top of the images that are beyond the words that she chose to put these, you know, she was big on putting the uh, like a quote from the person Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about that a lot, which is actually interesting going back a couple episodes when we were talking about humans of New York. That's, I was just going to say, how, how is this? Because you, this you is are, different because those images could stand on their own. You don't think the, the image, the, the humans of New York images can stand on their own. I think they can stand on their own, but I don't think they say as much as I think her images tell a story without the quote. And I think the quotes are, better too i don't know i just maybe it's a time thing but i think this is a much better example of that i guess is what i'm saying uh hmm. um it's it's I, I yeah but i just i thought that that i thought that was interesting you know okay we have the we have the picture with you know a single line from somebody um and you know that she she didn't want this goes back to getting lost and just being an observer it's like she didn't want she's just recording She's not interpreting, you know, or at least that's how I think she saw it. Disagree? I don't know because I've I've heard stories that that the the migrant mother in particular that yep. that that was more set up than we are led to believe. Yeah, well, yeah, she went from more children to less children to the younger children, like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Sure. Right. So if that's the case, that's not observing. Uh, I mean, I, it, it, yep. It is observing, but it's also having a hand in setting it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're creating the still life for effect. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think she's a documentary film photographer in the sense that she doesn't um, interact or direct her subjects at all. Because you know, we were, I was even looking at a lot of the pictures, and Conrad was sitting next to me, and we were watching, and I said. It was some picture of some policeman and then a bunch of, um, uh, I think it was the Japanese during the, she talks about photographing the internment stuff. The internment camps. Uh And um, it's like, you know, some very white, uh, very military guy with a gun and the white hat or whatever it is. And 
and a bunch of Japanese people behind it. And I'm looking at the picture. I was like, there's no way that that's, that, that guy didn't know she was taking her picture. She's five feet away. She's shooting with a Graflex. There is, there's, there's a pose that the guy's doing just because he knows he's getting his picture taken. You know, that, that doing observational work with a camera that big and slow there's no way you don't get some sort of interaction from the mm-hmm. people if they see that there's a camera involved, you know? Sure. Um, and I thought that that was kind of interesting that I was like, see the, the way she shot, there's no way that people just, she just happened to catch the person sitting that way, unless they're just not looking at her at all, which I just find, you know, if you, if you're sitting on the street corner and somebody's like walking by and 15 feet away, they stop and they pull out a big thing. That's like a foot by a foot by a foot and holding it out. Right, you know, right. You're not going to be And there like, is some setup and there is some time to focus. Yeah. And there is yeah. some so, et cetera, et cetera. So I think sure. just, just, just from the, t- from the logistical stuff, there is some sort of interaction with her and the subject, even if she says not, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was interesting. I think it was interesting when they were putting all the stuff up on the board for the exhibit and uh, the guy, her assistant was just like, yeah, he's, you know, we put it up, we move it around and then we step back 15 feet and you reflect, you know, just sit there and stare at it and, and, uh, and see where it goes. A, it's a, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Does it work? Yeah. You know, does it work? Do, do these images work on their own? Which was kind of the first step is here's what we want to include. And then let's put them into into small groups or bodies, and let's see how those bodies work as 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 groups. Yeah, and even the FSA stuff. Apparently, she was sending her film back to the East Coast to get processed, and then it was coming back to her, and so she didn't get to see the results of her images for weeks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes to make to make her selects. Yeah, which is what were we talking? Who were we talking about? Last week or the week before, somebody was saying that they never look at their pictures. They don't look at them for a couple days or something. Uh, Norman Jean Roy. That there you go. Right. Yeah. Uh, doesn't doesn't look at the card. Doesn't give anybody the card. Lets it sit and then looks at it a couple days later. Yeah. Interesting. I love that. I mean, that's that's basically what I do with my Fuji. I, the LCD is off, and I get what I get. And if yeah. I missed it, eh, oh well, I missed it. Yeah. I I will say that it from the examples they give in the beginning. So she was married once. Uh, the guy had a kid from a previous marriage. They had two kids. Then she met her second husband, divorced the first husband, and then had, when she got married to the second husband, they put their kids in foster homes or something for, for a year so they could go off and, and be newly married people going around. She didn't seem like she was all that much interested in being a mother. Did you notice that? Like there like almost everything they said about her as a mother was that she was cold, she was not affectionate. She'd rather take a picture of the flowers than accept them for Mother's Day or you know what I mean? Like all these sort of little things. Right. Uh, well, I mean, you know, not, not so far from Avedon in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. I just I, I thought that I, because some people will point to uh, uh, you know, that, that, I don't know that everyone's made to be a parent and whatever it is. And I, I don't know that she was, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think her and especially, um, Paul Taylor, her second husband were, were not, not the dancer, Paul not Taylor. the dancer, Paul Taylor, the economist, I guess he was, I think he was an economist. Yeah. Um, were, um, I think they had a certain working relationship in which children didn't necessarily fit, but mm-hmm. maybe it was at the time when, well, it was before 
you know, great birth control methods and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So who knows what decisions were made. Um, as, as a, as a film. Yeah. Did you enjoy this more or less than the Vivian Mayer documentary? Wait, I haven't seen the Vivian Mayer one yet. Oh, so well, I can't comment. Go. All right. Uh, I will say that I, you know, what it is with this kind of thing. I enjoy seeing it because it allows you to get way more information about her. If you don't feel like reading a 500 page book, you know what I mean? Like if you could read the Wikipedia entry, is one level of information about somebody. And then you can watch a documentary like this. And that's another layer of somebody. Um, even with the things about it that I didn't necessarily like from a stylistic point of view, I think it was interesting. It had lots of information and parts of it were really well done. Uh, right. There was the one quote that she said, she said, why do I photograph how much is vanity or self justification? Hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, so she was even questioning what she was doing. Right. Um, and, and and who knows whether she felt like that all the time or whether they caught sure. her one time. Yeah. But also interesting was the fact that this woman worked for, you know, I think four or five years doing FSA stuff. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, then she worked for the army doing the, uh, con- the, the internment camps. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, when when uh, Rondal, what's his name, was was talking, and he was talking about having driving around with her. He was like, "We were living on four dollars a day stipend or whatever it is." The government wasn't paying her much money, right? It's interesting that in some ways, the woman who took what is probably one of the top ten most famous pictures of all time probably wouldn't have really made a living living being a photographer if she wasn't married to a guy who also was making a living, you know. Like, I don't know that she was necessarily a commercially successful photographer, but there, there's a lot of that going around. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. It's like, she's there's one of the more famous pictures of all time, but I, you know, if she was on her own, could she have supported herself with photography? I don't know. And who she left her images to what was this? What's the school that she left her images? Oh, did to? she leave them to somebody? Although I don't know how she could, because it, technically, if they were done for the Farm Securities Administration, that's government sponsored, so there is no copyright. You know, that is there was a there was part where they were talking about the woman in the migrant mother thing photograph being years later being upset her and her family because she never saw anything from this photograph that was so famous and changed so many people's lives and all the rest of it. But it's like, well, technically, neither did Dorothea. You know, right? Like this was work for hire for the government. So, so how, mm. I, yeah, I don't know that either. Cool. How could I they, have, how could somebody own the copyright on them then? I had the same problem with that Walker Evans photograph with the studio where it has all the portraits and it, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, yeah, that I think was taken for the government too. And yet I can't just download a high res copy of it. Like I wanted to like, just make a print for myself to put on my wall. Cause I like that photograph and I'm like, Hey, my, my tax dollars paid for it. I should be able right. to, and you can't. Uh, and I found that odd too. See. Okay, Dorothea Lang collection, nineteen nineteen to nineteen sixty five. Please contact the Oakland Museum of California Art Department, Dorothea Lang collection, for any questions regarding copyright. But I've always been under the impression that if it was, yeah, it, w- it was paid for by taxpayer money, there is no copyright. That should be owned by the government. And the government should have it out as pub- like uh, much like the, uh, the photos from NASA, the moon photos. Like, sure. You can use those for whatever you want. 
Um, hmm. You know, that's a good question. P.E. Preston. That's right. Let Preston. us know how this works. That's right. <laughs> School us on this. <laughs> He's like, anyway, Jesus. Well, what did you think overall? Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I, 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 I like all the archival footage of her speaking and going through her work and, and seeing how she approached her work. I, I was fascinated to see how how much more precious her work is to us decades later than it seemed to be to her then. I think that's the case with a lot of people who make stuff, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it's, well, you know what? I think that's the case for almost anything. Like, uh, you know, I have friends who are huge, I don't know, say Star Trek fans, you know, and everything Star Trek and every like minute detail of every single story of every Star Trek thing. And it's like, you know what? The people who wrote this were just writing a story and they needed a little subplot. So they made up this thing about these people. They didn't create a backstory. They didn't create, you know, Doctor Who people are the same way. And I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Um, Which escapes me. Doctor Who escapes you or I escape you? (laughs) Both. Both. (laughs) (laughs) Equally. Um, But you you understand what I'm saying. It's the same with Star Wars thing. Like, you know what? There are people who think about Star Wars way more than George Lucas ever thought about Star Wars. You know, for just because they just, you know, they fetishize it. And I think that it's the same way with people who are huge, you know, Avedon fans and they want every single picture Avedon ever took. And I have every book and it's like Avedon probably didn't think about his work that way. You know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting that especially those, those years in the FSA, was she, was she in her mind creating art, creating legacy, creating, this iconic work that would be looked at for decades or was she just doing her job? And I don't know that that's something they really addressed adequately in this film. Whether she was the prime mover or whether her doing work for hire was the prime mover. Is that right. what you're saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. Um, I mean, she was doing her job and she wanted to do it well, but, but was the intent there? I'm creating images that are going to capture blah whatever it is or was she just getting the shot as 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 directed by um what was his name uh oh the the fsa guy yeah i think she was just out doing her thing i mean you know they said they chose her because she was out in a part of the country that they didn't have any other photographers you know they kept they said that a number of times like it, it, even at the beginning, right? She's living in New York. Her and her friend decide they want to get the hell out of New York. So they save up all their money and they travel or they want to travel around the world. They get to San Francisco. The friend gets pickpocketed and they lose all their money, which is like, okay, well that was a dumb move. But then she goes and gets a job in a Stryker. photo store. Oh, that's his name. There you go. She gets a job in a photo store and uh, Imogen Cunningham's husband, whatever his name is. I can't remember his name comes in, meets her. And, and goes home and is just like, hey, Imogen, I'm going to invite this girl over for dinner because she's really cool. And then they introduce her to everyone in the scene, the bohemian scene in San Francisco, you know. Right. So, like, right. How, much of the, how much of everything in life, not just this case, is just right place, right time, luck kind of stuff, you know. Had she chosen a different photo store to work in, she would have never met those people, which means she would have never, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's crazy. How much, how much of life is just a pinball machine? 
mm-hmm. you know um i thought it was interesting i thought it was good uh it's definitely worth watching it's not one that i'm gonna that i would say is like the top 10 photo documentaries of all time um no it was good though if, yeah. if you missed it on pbs you can uh you can rent it on youtube okay uh, if there's a, there's a link there, uh, on the trailer, we'll put it in the show notes. I think it's two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Worth it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. what do you think about the, there's one quote, art is the act is an act of total attention. Do you think art requires total attention? Uh, is, is flow actually really just attention at 100% so that you sort of lose yourself cause you kind of go around the bend. You're so some of it. Yeah. I think some art looks like there was very little effort or attention paid to it at all, but it's still regarded as, you know, these sort of seminal works. Yeah. So I think it can, but I don't think, I don't think total attention guarantees art. Right. It may guarantee something. It may guarantee some sort of end product, but I think whether or not that's art is not up to you. It's up to the people who see it. But can you make art without total attention or can you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sure. You know, I mean, again, you, and I'm not saying what I make is art, but the end product of, of a lot of the stuff that I've made, my attention was somewhere else. Right. My focus was taking this thing somewhere else, but it decided it wanted to go over here. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you weren't attentive in the, in the process. No, no, no. True. Um, anyway, good stuff. You should go look it up. Hey, uh, did you want to talk about these leaks or no? Yeah. You know, over the, over the weekend, um, a bunch of, uh, I hate this. Okay. Hacker is a term that's thrown away, thrown around way too willy nilly. Uh, so let me just get that out of the way. But that being said, uh, apparently, uh, several celebrities, female celebrities, Phones were hacked and and a bunch of nude pictures were were put up on online. Um, I think it went up first on Reddit. Uh, I think uh, I think 4chan was the uh, first place. Was the first place? Okay. I think so. Um, and and so it just it got me thinking about about this whole the whole thing. And and first of all, it's a crime. You mean life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just this idea of of our digital lives and and what is safe, what is secure, what should be allowed, what shouldn't be allowed. Uh, and there's been some back and forth on this, and and ultimately, uh, you know, it's a crime was committed. Yes, you you should be able to have naked pictures of yourself or anybody else on your device if you're a consenting adult and you're and and, and you know that should be fine. That should be allowed. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have to live with, with the, the, the fear that somebody is going to gain access and then post these things all over. So what does it mean? What are we, what are we looking at? Here? Well, okay. Well, you know, the last time something like this happened, they caught the guy and the guy's in prison, I think. I think so, yes. So, so I guess I'm just saying that it's not like this goes without notice from the authorities. No, but, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't change the fact that the stuff's out there and you could never get it back. Okay. But, but couldn't, couldn't a lot of this be solved with end to end encryption? Oh, um, yes. Well, right now the data itself is not encrypted. The data is just sitting there. Yes. But what is it encrypted in your, in your scenario? 
yeah, sure, it's encrypted on this phone, it's encrypted, whatever, but like, what is going to decrypt it? Probably your password, which is the way that they got in in the first place. Encryption only only helps save it while it's in transit, right? Where where ultimately, ultimately, people just have to be better and smarter about their digital lives, and they should have they should have classes in schools that teach people good password policies and everyone should use things like LastPass and use gobbledygook passwords for everything, you know, and use mm. different passwords for everything. A lot of people say that the way these people got in is that there, there's a bug in iCloud, which allows a hacker to try passwords without getting locked out. Uh, okay. And, and there's all, a, and there's, and there's a, there's a script that allows you to do this very, very fast and you like can a brute force thing. Right. And you can run, you know, the top 5,000 most common passwords against a certain login and maybe you'll get lucky. I mean, that's apparently the going theory right now is that to be fair. Yeah. Nothing from Apple confirming or denying that it was an iCloud bug or no, but that, I mean, that's the working theory of the, of the, the right, technorati. Right. But I mean, couldn't, couldn't this stuff, I mean, like I said, the data itself is not encrypted. So once, once you, once you sort of get the password to the bucket, you've got free reign over everything. So you're saying you should need another password inside the bucket? I don't think it's, I don't think it should be password driven. I think that it should be almost like PGP where there's a key. But that means that you need to remember a whole other, you have to have a whole other key. Why no? Why why couldn't the, the the software on your phone or on your device right. have the key in it? And where where does your you you bought a new device? Where does it get the key? It gets generated just like PGP. PGP keys get generated, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 I'm saying you get a new device. It's like how do, how do you prove that you are who you are when you hook your device up to the iCloud account? Well, that I haven't figured out yet. Yeah, I mean, there, but I just, I just think that, that are there that, better ways to do it? Absolutely. That, um, yeah. You know, are there are there bugs in online systems? Of course there are. Would it be better if we all did trust no one sort of uh, setups where you know, uh, every, much like the way LastPass works, where yes, your passwords are sitting on a server, but all it is is a big giant you know blob of random noise. And it only gets decrypted on your. You download the big blob, and then you decrypt it on your end using your master password, quote unquote, right. or your thumb, um, or your yeah, finger, or whatever. Right. Well, yeah. Okay, we could go there with the phones. Um, it. I think. I think it's one of the things where if they they could lock it down, you know, military style, but then ninety percent of people wouldn't understand how to use it and would get annoyed and wouldn't want to use it. It's a security versus convenience gray area. Right. And these probably these people probably had weak passwords, you know, and, you know, I think there's a number of things here. I think we all I don't know. It's it's the West's view of sex is a problem. It's you know, it's a problem with bad security. It's a problem with the concept of celebrity. It's you know, there's all kinds of things going on here. Um, but but I mean, if it, I don't know, I. I there's got to be a better way because this th- this time it was you know naked pictures, but it could just as easily have been banking data. Yep, credit card data. Yeah, and often it is, and those you know, and then they have fraud protections built in, and that's why you pay such a high rate because they have to deal with all the fraud on credit cards and stuff. You know. Yeah, but if there were a better way to deal with the information in the first place, then wouldn't a lot of that stuff on the back end just dealing with it, like you say, yep. wouldn't that be unnecessary? Well, the irony of this is that. 
basically they stole this stuff off of a cloud account, right? In this case, say iCloud. Let's working theory. Yeah, working um, theory. Nothing confirmed. Yeah. But there, there is a funny thing where it's like, you know what? Just keep everything on one machine that's not on the internet. Or you know what I mean? Like just like the, it's we want convenience. We want these pictures to be backed up so that we don't lose them if we lose our phone. We want to be able to have things on all devices all at the same time, you know, Dropbox style or photo and we should be style. able to have that. I, I don't think that any of these people who got their their no, but you know photos stolen are culpable. Code no, of course. Well, they're not culpable, but th- there's you know not culpable in the sense that it's their fault, but they are culpable if they were using password as their password, then they're th- then they were stupid. You know, uh, you know, it's like I, I don't walk around the most dangerous place in town with hundred dollar bills hanging out of my pockets. Like just common sense. You know, so I, I mean, I don't know how they did the hack, and I don't think the I think the guy should go to jail or whatever. But I'm just I'm just saying that, yeah, it's not their fault. But at the same time, you got to be smart about it if you're in the public eye and you don't want this stuff to get out there. You know, got to lock. You got to you got to have a good combination on the safe if you don't want somebody yeah. to steal it. Um, I think that I just think that it's funny that we you know we want all this stuff, but we also want the convenience of not having to worry about typing in our password every time and worrying about, you know, doing two, fa- like my Google account is, is locked down with two factor authentication. So right. I have to have my phone to be able to log into my Google account. Does it make it a pain? Yeah, it does a lot of times. Cause when I want to have my Google calendar show up in fantastical, I have to go make a special account thing on Google. That's not double factor, but it's a one-time use only password, to, you know, the kind right. of stuff my mother would never understand. Like right. I couldn't explain it to her. So my mother doesn't use two-factor authentication. So you know what I mean? Th- this, is, this is the problem. Yeah, it, ju- it just seems like an area of technology that, that doesn't get much attention and hasn't changed much yeah. in, in decades. Well, really. you know, interestingly enough, and you know, don't worry, we won't waste the whole show people on this. Uh, I was listening to a Planet Money, you know Planet Money podcast? Sure, okay. sure, sure. And sometimes this show drives me nuts because I'm not an uber capitalist and a lot of times they talk about stuff as if, well, it's that way because capitalism's awesome, you know. And you're just like, no, that's bad. Right. Um, but they were taught this uh, recent episode was about signatures and you know how signatures have been around since you know the the Torah, and you know to prove that you are who you are. But now credit card people, you sign with your finger with the thing at the store, and those things get stored, but no one ever checks them. Like no mm-hmm. one ever looks, whatever it is. And it's like this leftover vestigial, you know, thing. And I think passwords over time, maybe it'll get replaced by biometrics, but biometrics can be faked. So it'll get replaced by, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's all kinds of things we can do. Uh, it's just waiting for the technology to catch up. And maybe it's things like the, the whatever fingerprint ID thing that Apple's been using. Right. Uh, maybe that's the way to go. You know, if, People, mathematicians say that it's safe enough, I guess, you know, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's a mess. And I think that, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot here that, that, that we could talk about. You know, I just, there's, I, there's it, one interesting know. thing though. I, I was reading a thing this morning about, there's a guy down in Georgia who they think is the guy they've right. sort of pieced together stuff. 
And then was this the guy that they saw screenshots of his hard drive? Yes, or something? that whole yeah. thing, right? Okay. All right. And right. then at the bottom of the post, they keep doing like update, update, update two. You know what I mean? Like as new new information comes in, I forget. It was sure. Probably on BuzzFeed or some stupid thing like that. But one of the things Which they you pointed seem to out, be spending a lot of time on lately. Uh, actually, I never go there unless somebody links me over there, and I feel really <laughs> bad about it every time I do. But um, one of the things they said was the same guy who did this. He works with somebody who owns a domain where it's some a photographer who takes boudoir photographs of women, and I'm like, what okay, does and that? That's ha- relevant. How? That's exactly my thing. I was like, how is that relevant? Other than it being just you're 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 basically making it seem like oh they take pictures of naked people, so they take dirty pictures, so that must somehow be involved. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just it's that that kind of stuff drives me crazy too because just because <laughs> naked people is not pornography you know what i mean right. like i just right. that whole thing drives me nuts well like we, we we what was it last week about the uh the the, the japanese gallery that that covered up the yeah exactly the naked men effectively yeah. making them more sort of erotic it's, than they were had they yeah. just left them alone yeah because you don't know now you don't know what's going on yeah. under the Ooh, sheet Ooh, what's his hand doing yeah yeah um, I just it's like i just don't i just don't understand all that kind of stuff it just gets it gets out of control um, so anyway, that's, I guess we'll find out more and maybe we'll go back to it next week. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm sure they'll be talking about it for another week. Well, where do you want to go from here? Uh, what do you think of this? This, I, I put something, amateurs are not stealing your jobs. We've, we've, we've talked several times about, uh, over the, over the past 700 episodes about, uh, amateurs killing the photography. Sorry, did you just say 700 episodes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, you know, somebody's past listening me. I took, going, wait a minute. I had to turn <laughs> around and see that one from behind. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's photography is killing photography. Yep. You know, citizen journalism is killing photography yep. and, and all this other nonsense. Um, and so I, there, there's this article in Time uh, called When Amateur Photographers Make the Front Page that, that looks at is this really the case or, or looks at it from another angle, at least from with respect to photojournalism. Uh, did you, did you happen to read this? I did. Uh, Basically the, the context is that this has always been the case and there's been lots of things in history where the first person on the scene in the picture that got around the world was not by a professional photographer. It was Subruder film or whatever. Right. right. And that's, that's one of the examples. This guy, Samuel Ballendorf, uh, looked at, uh, Events from from you know the past fifty years or so, uh, and 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 to see who was there, what 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 images, what images represented that event. Um, Ballendorf survey they write, which he put together with Andre uh, Gunthert, an associate professor at the French School for Advanced Studies in Social Sciences, has gone on the show this week. Blah 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 blah. Okay, the exhibition includes. Uh, John F. Kennedy's assassination, Rodney King's beating, yep. uh, abuses at the Abu Ghraib, uh, Saddam Hussein's hanging, yep. and the tsunami in Japan, many other events. Uh, quote, when we brought these images together, we quickly realized that within the past 15 years, it was hard to find 30 images that had worldwide impact. So what does that mean? And, and what does that mean to journalism as a whole? Is it is it citizen journalism taking over or is it citizen journalism right place right time getting lucky in effect? Uh I think it's the l- I think it's the latter but because there are more and more people with cameras on their phones that'll happen more often. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? 
Mm-hmm. Like it'll become more prevalent because there are more people walking around with cameras. So there's more situations where there are more cameras, in which case, you know, um, I think, look, photojournalism, I think the, 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 I'm there on the beat, getting the picture of the thing before anybody else. I think perhaps that kind of photojournalism is being beat out by everybody with a camera. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that means that sort of the deeper we're taking 15 pictures to tell the plight of what's going on in Ferguson kind of stuff right. is necessarily being taken over by people right. with iPhones. We're not sending Joe Sixpack with his iPhone to Syria to, to right. figure out the war. Yeah. And and so I think maybe, you know, the the, the idea of a sort of the, the beat photo journalist, you know, the guy... <clears throat> The guy in Cleveland who makes is in the car listening to the police radio. The the Ouija right. of the modern world doesn't exist, you know. Um, but that's okay. That's okay to me. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion argument. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but it does mean that that the people who used to do that are out of a job. So in some ways, he's making his own point. But are they out of a job or are they are they doing the, the more in-depth stories? Well, I think that there's a lot less there's a lot less people who get the chance to do the in-depth stories and mm-hmm. make a living doing it. So, I mean, I you know, it's sort of like uh, you know, uh, 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 robot cars are going to make it so less, there's less cab drivers, but it doesn't mean that there are less Indy 500 drivers. So you can say, well, drivers if they drive a cab, just go drive a NASCAR. You know, it's like, right. well, those are two very different things, you know. Uh, but, I mean, we've talked about this before in the sense that, you know, Carter Bresson got sent to China for three months to take pictures and come back. It's like, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. You know, people don't. Right. The, the whole Halsman. There's a story of Halsman traveling around the world for, I think it was, yeah. it was Vogue. It was either Vogue or Vanity yeah. Fair. Yeah. They said basically, go. Here's, here's money. Here's a blank check. Go yeah, make some go pictures. Go take pictures of beautiful women. Yeah, it's just like, and this, that's what he. That's what he was charged with. This is this is an impossibility, as it were. You know, mm-hmm. like this is just mm-hmm. that's a that's a remnant of a of an earlier time. Um. So, uh, do you do you think that 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 the rise of of not only this sort of citizen journalism, but you know, guests at the wedding having as good of gear uh, as the photographers hired to shoot the wedding or event. Uh, Is, is, is this, are these things excuses or they, do you think they're really having an effect? Oh, I think they're really having an effect. Um, I mean, if I got married today, I don't know that I'd have, I'd hire a fancy photographer. Okay. So I, I've got, I've got my Fuji. Yeah. I've got uh, two. I just make uh, you come. No, I, I've got two young Neo 560 Model 2 flashes. I've yep. got a soft lighter. I've got backgrounds. So, you know, am, am I suddenly a portrait photographer? If you wanted to be, perhaps. Hmm. But, but, I mean, the question becomes, you know, let's, let's you know, take, take your wedding thing. It's like if, if I, as the groom in a wedding... You know, there, there's guys like uh, my friend uh, uh, Ryan Bernizer, right? He's a big wedding photographer, does sure. really well, well-known in the industry. You know, he takes very beautiful pictures, but those aren't the kinds of pictures that I would want f- of my wedding. You know, I, right. I would much rather have 
very not not even like you know the whole reportage style like yeah i want reportage but i don't even want it to be really glossy reportage you know you, you know who you know who you should get who's that jose via uh do i know who that is still shoots film his his wedding videos that he does he shoots on super eight beautiful beautiful work uh but yeah. not overly perfect yeah just my, really great stuff my my but see even my problem with that kind of thing is that that feels like i'm trying to back up to the 1950s to see what it was like then which is also i don't know trying to it's like i don't know if i need pictures you know i want to remember the moment going back to our thing a couple weeks ago you mm-hmm. know i don't want it to be all about these perfect moments that i'm trying to create because they don't exist um yeah, I don't know. So I think that I think that things are shifting. I think that there are less jobs for photojournalists because of everyone having phones. But I don't think that that means that there's no such thing as a photojournalist. I just think that we have to have things like um, like Medium and and you know all these mag like sort of more high end magazine-y kind of things uh, that that will show. 20 pictures of, of one guy of one event or, or one situation, you know, um, hmm. the, 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 I think that the, the, the day of the photo, it could be that the day of the photo essay is returning, you know, because that's not what your person with their phone is generally doing. Yeah, I think it is. And if you, and if you look at, I mean, even, okay, even you just said something about the, the phone. I, I think the phone used well, Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Somebody I'm, like, like I'm using it as, I'm using it as, I'm talking about the people who just happen to have a phone on them and are taking a right, picture, not right. people who are using the phone as their camera. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think that, that the photo essay or the, the in-depth piece, the, 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 I think they used to call them lifestyle pieces. Yeah. I think they are returning. And, and there is something to be said about that. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Have we figured out uh, what uh, what what kind of camera is going to be in this on this Apple thing, the new one? In the six? Yeah. Uh, I I have heard that it's a the thirteen megapixel Sony sensor. Interesting. Okay. Little protruding ring off the back, supposedly to give it a little more room and to allow the addition of accessories. Yeah, it needs a little more room. Uh, Apple Insider says that the new one will come with optical image stabilization, which would be nice. Uh, uh, yeah, and that, that's going back and forth. They say that that may only be on the 5.5 inch, not the 4.7 inch. Um, you think, do you think that Apple would actually split up their iPhone thing on features like that? Yes. So you can't get a better camera unless you get the big phone that may not fit your hands? That seems think- a very un-Apple thing to do. Why? The big phone is supposed supposedly the only one that's going to get sapphire glass over the screen. Yeah, but that seems weird, too. Like, I, that, that, that seems very... Un- I can see, I I see Apple making two sides, two sizes, but pretty much the internals are very similar. Maybe a bigger, higher-res screen in the bigger one. You know what I mean? Like, that seems much more Apple to me than splitting everything up like that. But who knows? I don't um, know. Anyway, it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, um, I'm looking forward to the new camera. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's, that was a uncomfortable segue from from the previous story but okay sorry no i was i was just going on the the whole thing about using your phone as the thing um the uh are we done with that one or you want to will that now okay wait a minute wait a minute you just thought of something will that will that exacerbate 
the issue. If if now you get better quality, a 13 megapixel or a 16 megapixel phone, or I don't or, think or I don't think the resolution from eight to 13 megapixels is what's making stuff. Okay. Um, the resolution isn't the thing, but I mean, if the dynamic range gets better and, you know, I mean, what, it's what, if, what if it's better dy- dynamic range and it's a 4K, they shoot video in 4K? Uh, I, well, I don't think news needs video in 4K. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, don't tell, don't tell Marquez Brownlee that. Well, okay. You know, he's doing it for <laughs> somewhat for effect, right? You yeah, know, it's yeah, not yeah. like, um, yeah, I was, I was listening to, uh, you ever listen to the Terrence and Phillip show? It's a two video guys who talk about like post-production and that kind of stuff. And they, it's a podcast and they had the episode. Terrence and Philip on South Yeah, I think they're playing off of that. Except the Terrence and the Philip are spelled differently because it's their real names or something. I don't know what it is. Anyway, they were talking about 4K and how pissed they were that, that, that Sony was going to 4K instead of basically just improving 1080. Like, give me HD, but give me more bits per pixel. Give me more data rates. Give me, you know. Um, don't give me, don't quadruple it on the same data rate and things are just going to look worse. You know, um, they, these, these are, yeah, no, they are. Um, but that's, unfortunately it's not the way it works. And they're just like, you know what? The delivery's going to be 1080p for a long time, you know, uh, on top of the whole, you know, people can't see that many pixels from X distance away and you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, and, in, um, and until the ISPs change a lot of their data policies, there are a lot of people that have 20 gig, 30 gig a month caps. Yeah. And that's a problem. Well, if you've got a 4K stream coming in, that's what two movies, four movies yep. tops. Yep. Yeah. And you're done. The whole caps is bad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to come back to that. All right. Uh, Copeland, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. I haven't read the book yet. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to um, my favorite radio station, which is KUSC. Uh, it's a classical station here in Southern California. They, you can listen to them all over the world, though. Like USC, um, like uh, the college? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and um, I was listening in the afternoon, and uh, this guy named Brian Lawrenson, who does the afternoon show, was talking about – he was playing Copeland and, and playing uh, uh, the, the Copeland's Rodeo, which okay. is a, a beautiful piece of music. Yep. And he was talking about how – how Copeland had just come off of like fanfare for the common man. And I think it was the, 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 the Lincoln piece. And, and he was commissioned approached to write a new piece. And he supposedly said, you know, anything as long as it's, I I don't want to do another Western. Yeah. And it's uh, interesting that he sees, he hears, how do I put this? That he, considers a certain sound to be Western. Right. I find that fascinating. And I love Copeland. Well, yeah. But, it, but if you, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about though, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, if you I listen do, no. to it. His stuff sounds like your picture of the American West that you have in your head. It has Copeland as the score. Yes. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. And so, uh, you even know, the stuff that's not West, like uh, the Copeland clarinet concerto is my favorite piece of all time or one of yeah, them. And, yeah. and I, but, and there's parts of it that have that Western-y sort of very Copeland-y sound. I almost consider it the Copeland sound more than the Copeland Western sound, but right. I digress. Go ahead. And if you look at his body of work, there's a lot of stuff that shares that sound. Appalachian spring shares it. Yep. Um, you know, it, 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 so anyway, but he didn't want to do it. And, and reluctantly, um, 
agreed to do it in, I think it was 1942, and ended up being one of his most beloved and enduring works. Yeah. And I just thought it was fascinating that, that here's something that he didn't want to do, but through whatever pressure or you know internal struggle he he decided to 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 do it and there's a there's a book about it i i i sent a tweet to uh, brian the 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 dj at kusc and said hey i just caught the tail end of of uh this story about copeland is there somewhere that i can get you know can you can you send me a little more information on it yeah and he was he was kind enough to to uh link the book that uh, that I guess he read the story in um, here, and I'm gonna let me get the title of it real quick. Mm. Sorry, listeners. Yeah, you know it's like sorry. I thought sorry, we have sorry. a good show I should, here. I should have had this. <laughs> okay, uh, it's called Reprieve, a memoir uh, by Agnes DeMille. So he was kind enough to send this and said, you know, it's it's a terrific book. Get it if you can. Uh, and he gave me an Amazon link to it. The, the book was a penny. This hardcover oh, old one. Yeah. Uh, book was a penny uh, and, and shipping was three ninety nine. So it uh, came out in 1981. Um, but apparently it's it's uh, uh, you know, just read you a little thing. The acclaimed and influential dancer choreographer recounts the circumstances of the paralyzing stroke she suffered in 1975. Her return to the stage and the realignment of her life occasioned by those experiences. Um, and the, the reviews of it have been really good. But I, again, I just thought it was interesting that that his first response was to say no. Sure. And how many of us have done the exact same thing? I don't want to do the same thing again. I don't want to do this. I've done this. I've tread this ground. I don't want to do it. But then for whatever reason, we do it and the resulting work is incredible or it takes us, that resulting work takes us in a new direction. Yeah, true. Had we just given into it in the first place. You know what I mean? So I just found it fascinating. And I, I, like I said, the book hasn't gotten here yet, so I haven't read it yet. But I, I, I will read it and get back. Yeah, there's always, yeah, the whole idea. I mean, we talk about that, you know, not wanting to do the same work over and over again. Uh, but sometimes go, retreading, you end up finding something new. You know, the, like, you know what it kind of reminds me of? It's like uh, driving down a, uh, an old driveway that's been driven down 40,000 times, you know. And, and, and one time you drive down and your tire catches a rock in a certain way and pulls the rock up out of the road. And you know what I mean? Like you like right. lose control for a half a second. It's sort of, it's only because you went over that driveway 40,000 times that that road ever kicked up. And maybe that's where you find something interesting. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I can parallel that, that. That you became so, you became immune to what made it interesting. Yeah. I, I can parallel that to, the, to my own recent work. I yeah. didn't want to go back and do the same thing that I had done. But in going back to that, I found a new angle. I found a new point of view, I think. Yeah. So sometimes you do have to go back to go forward. Yep. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, uh, B. Rhodes sent us a nice email. It was very nice. Bram Rhodes uh, has decided he, he moved from New York City to Paris just to for a change. Yeah. Um, 
You know what I do? I go to a different grocery store for a change. You know, <laughs> I don't move. Well, that's what's different between that's what makes you and Bram two different. That's people. right. I'd like to move. That'd um, be great. But one of the things he says because he's talking about uh, trying to re, you know kickstart his creative juices and reconnect right. with photography, and you know we had a, dis- a long discussion about goals yes. on a past show. Really long. Whether they're good, whether they're bad, <laughs> whether they help, whether they don't, you know. Yeah. And uh, Bram wrote in and, and, and said, I'm going to quote him here, uh, goals can be useful provided you enjoy the process and don't let the goal obscure the bigger issues. Uh, I'm working out ideas uh, for some short and longer term projects, but no rush. I will control when they begin and when I ship. The rest will have to work itself out through hard work. Um couldn't agree more. I, but I, I, yeah, I like, I mean, it's like there's lot, just lots of meandering, you know? Yeah. I, and, I, and the, the meandering is good. Again, you control when, when and where you start. Yep. Yeah. And you control to a degree where, when you ship. And there's, you know, we go back to, you know, a reading from the book of Seth. You know, you, you run out of time or you run out of money. And when you run out of either of those, you ship. Uh, the interesting thing though, is that, I mean, you just said you, you, you control when and where you start, right? However, to a degree. Yeah. yeah. Right. But more I was when gonna, than where. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, I mean, getting back to that discussion at the beginning, how your, your new work is going in a different direction than maybe you started it in. Maybe the when, where doesn't really matter, you know? I mean, it, of course, you will end up different places depending on where you start, but the where itself doesn't Are we necessarily... Talking, is, is, is the where in this analogy physical, logistical, or emotional? Uh, more emotional, but I mean, it could be, mm-hmm. you know, where in the sense of, you know, what kind of thing you're trying to do, you know. You could say, yep. I'm trying to do a multi-layered such and such that inspires the whatever, but then you get started and you're like, eh, it doesn't really work, but ooh, that's interesting. Right. Um. So, you know, we, 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 I think we spend a lot of time planning and then, you know, the whole, uh, you know, life's what happens when you're making other plans. Right. Uh, yeah. It, it's just interesting. Anyway, uh, good luck, Mr. Rhodes. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and Bram, thank you for the invitation. If, yeah. uh, if that works out, I will, I will take you up on it. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we should talk about our sponsor today. Yeah, we should. Uh, so, we're going to tell you about again about this awesome book, uh, iconic. It's a book about Apple. Uh, it's not just about Apple. I, well, it's okay. Well, I'll take a break. What is it about? Okay. Okay. One of the things I love about this book and books like this is they, they are as much about what's contained in them as, as the thoughts and memories that they bring you back to. So I'm I'm looking through this book and I'm I'm taken back to uh, 1981, 82, right in there, 83, probably 81, 82, uh, hanging out at my my best friend Mark's house at his house on 14th Street in Upland, playing Elite on the Apple IIe for hours and hours and hours and hours, playing Wolfenstein. Uh, uh, and, and as we are sitting there in his room playing Wolfenstein, we would have these conversations about, wouldn't it be great if instead of, and if you've ever seen, uh, Castle Wolfenstein on the Apple IIe, uh, 
the soldier, it, it is not a first person shooter, though. This is what our discussion was about. It's you see the profile of these blocky soldiers and they they clumsily make their way half skating, half lumbering across the screen. And we were thinking, wouldn't it be great if you could see what they were seeing, if you could see down the hallways of this bunker? And, and this is, you know, this is pre Quake and Doom and and any of pre Wolfenstein 3D, any of this stuff. So, so when I look through this book, that's what I remember. It's, it's, it's a, it's a historical document yes. for you. Or I remember buying my, my two CX or my two SI or, you know, whatever it was. If, if, if Apple was part of your childhood, this book is your, is about your childhood. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Uh, I didn't own Apple computers until later, but I knew a lot of people who had them in school. We had them and that kind of stuff. And I, I, you know, these all, every single picture in this makes you go, Oh, I remember those, you know, yeah. or sometimes it's like, Oh, I remember those. those that, that, remember how annoying that one handle was on that thing or the way it clicked in or the way it felt or, Oh, remember that port? I remember when computers had that port. Yeah. Um, it's great. So look, what we're talking about is this book iconic by Jonathan Zufi. Uh, he created this amazing project. He took pictures of, he was trying to collect pictures of every single Apple product ever made. Uh, he came up with over 150,000 pictures, called them down, uh, into this, into this coffee table book. It's called iconic photographic tribute to Apple innovation. Uh, and if you need some, you need to buy a gift for somebody who's an Apple fan, this is it. 350 beautifully designed pages, hundreds of fantastic photos of basically every product Apple has ever made. And I mean every desktop, laptop, iDevice, printer, even the old gaming devices is all in here. And I guarantee you'll see some products you didn't even know they made. There's, you know, there's this amazing chapter about prototypes. I think the prototypes is the coolest chapter. I just looked looking at like the clear stuff or the, or the breadboards when they're working out, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know how they're going to do the whole thing. Yeah. Um, even a, a, a chapter on packaging. So they have the boxes of this stuff, uh, which, which is, that's an art in and of itself. Yeah. Package design. Absolutely. Uh, and it includes a forward by Waz. So, you know, gotta love Steve Wozniak, uh, hundreds of other amazing quotes from Apple pundits. It's really something visit iconicbook.com to learn more and, uh, check out all the cool editions that are available. The uh, the editions range from seventy five to three hundred dollars, but I got to tell you something. There's a special five by five discount, only available for listeners of On Taking Pictures. Uh, you get twenty percent off the classic or classic plus edition of Iconic. Uh, the only way to get that is to go to iconicbook.com slash five by five. So if someone you know loves Apple, go get one of these beautiful books right now. Iconicbook.com slash five by five. Thank you very much to Jonathan and Ridgewood Publishing for yes, supporting five by five. Thank you, Jonathan. And okay, uh, here taking what, pictures. What? One more thing. Yep. Okay. So an Apple IIe. Yeah. With 48K, 48K yep. of yep. RAM. 48K yep. listeners. Yeah. Not 48 megs or gigs yep. or 48K of RAM. Uh, Oregon Trail. $2,638. Oh, I know. Hey, you know what? Even the early, early, like uh, somebody was talking about the er, the first. Because it's been about thirty years, I think, since the thirty-five years or something since the original IBM PC was recently, mm-hmm. and it was something like yeah, twenty-seven hundred dollars for the base of the base of the base with nothing in it, with no RAM, with no disk drive, with no monitor. Computers have gotten so cheap, yeah, 
the fact that you could go buy a MacBook Air for $1,000 and it does what it does and it's $1,000 of 2014 money, which is like $350 of 1980 money, yeah, is unbelievable. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. You know, or, it's... Or a lot of these, some of these new Android phones, Jeffrey, that are coming out, like like the Moto G, what is it, like $175 yeah. off contract? Yeah, well, the, the, the OnePlus, the yeah, OnePlus one, the one bucks. we talked about last week. Yeah, it's fascinating. Do you, think, uh, do you think Apple needs to lower their prices of their phones considering yes. people with similar technology are half the price? Yes. You think they will? No. Right. I think, if anything, they're going to get more expensive. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I uh, yeah, good memories. Good, yeah. you know. It's and it's funny. I had I had a uh, I went IBM in college, okay. and my memories of using so like a big Al- three sixty mainframe. <laughs> no, oh. no, like a like a four eighty six or a, oh, a, I thought that thought, was, I thought we were talking about in the sixties. Go ahead. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, my memories of using the Apple products beforehand are so much more pleasant than using a PC <laughs> in college. Yeah. It's a, uh, there it's were a lot of blue thing. screens. There were a lot of restarts. There were a lot of, you know, it just, yeah. it's funny. It is. Yeah. Um, All right. What else? What do you got? What do you got? So just a quick reduct or a, a, a follow up on our discussion last week of the guy taking the pictures of the little girl. Right. And everyone was all upset about it. Uh, Alan Bellward sent over a article in the Washington Post about a guy. He was It's a first-person thing. It's like a little uh, thing he was talking about. His name is Jeff Gates. And he and his wife adopted two young, I think they're Chinese girls, when they were babies. And they raised them, uh, you know, as they adopted these two kids. And every year on this ferry, on this trip they take, he puts them against the back of the boat on the ferry over to the summer trip, and he takes their picture, and he's done it for X years and, you know, that whole thing. Right. The Cape May Ferry, according to the there article. You go. And he is, uh, he's taking the picture, and he's, you know, spending 10 minutes trying to get it right or whatever. And some guy apparently comes over and uh, walks up beside the guy, looks at the daughters and said, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask if you were okay to the little girls, to the 16 and 17 year old girls who are standing against the railing of a boat, like hugging, okay. getting their picture taken by their dad. Yeah. I would be remiss. What do you think? <laughs> okay. First of all, who uses remiss anymore? So that's kind <laughs> of a very funny. soft way of putting it, isn't it? Right. I would be remiss. Yeah. You, sir, are a scoundrel. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's, it's I, I, not to excuse it, but that's kind of the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. He goes and talks to the man afterwards and says, like, hey, you just embarrassed me in front of my kids and strangers. Like, what you said was racist. And the guy says, I work for the Department of Homeland Security, and let me give you some advice. You were standing there taking photos of them hugging for 15 minutes. And? Yeah. And, and is... Okay, and it's, it's it's so. Here's my question: it, Does he work for the 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 excessive hugging department of the Department of Homeland Security? Yeah, and yeah, dumbass. Okay, but here's the question: I mean, I, the, the guy. Let's assume you and I agree that the Homeland Security guy was just it was was overzealous and whatever. 
Did he do something actually wrong or should he just not have done it? Was it just like, okay, you don't need to do that? Or is it like you did something wrong? Wait, who are we talking about? The, uh, the, the Homeland Security guy by making a stink about it. Is he, is he, it was, was he wrong in checking to make sure the kids, the girls were okay? Or was it just like in bad taste wrong? You know what I mean? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, if you, if you go beyond that, where, where he says, the, the, the guy says, my wife's a photographer. He said, I understand. Then you should have known better. I yeah. replied. Yeah. I think it was, I, I, I think it was a, a combination of bad judgment and, and why do we assume that? Why do we assume that it's bad? Well, this is a lot of stranger danger stuff too. You know sure. I mean? Yeah. Some white guy taking pictures of Asian something. girls on the back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like something about this doesn't feel right. Something about this stinks. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, my 17 year old, he writes, usually the stoic one told me she almost cried when she understood what he was asking. And all the while I kept wondering, had he overreacted when he approached us or was he just being a good citizen looking out for the welfare of two young women? Yeah. Perhaps he was doing what his professional training had taught him to do. Look for things that seem out of place and act on those observations. But what is normal and what is not? That's the big question right there. Yep. What is normal and what yeah. is not? And has, has, you know, And even if it's not normal, Jeffrey, what is anybody else's business and what is not? You know what I mean? In the sense that, okay, it's not normal in the sense that this guy is taking pictures of Asian girls and he's not Asian or whatever. You know what I mean? And they're young teenagers or whatever it is. But like... There's a number of reasons why that could be true, or maybe they're young models, or maybe they're what, you know what I mean? Like, it, mm -hmm. who's to say that just because something is odd means it's wrong? There's that assumption as well. I do like the way he handled it. and, and you, was, Okay, so if you were him, you would have gone and talked to the guy again afterwards? No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, okay, Jeff Gates. Uh, Jeff, uh, where is it? Just, I just lost it. Sorry. You have a beautiful uh, a, family a week, there. <laughs> a week later, on the ferry ride home, as my oldest and I were walking on the deck, I suggested that we imagine the other passengers through this man's eyes. She grimaced but agreed. It was so easy to project suspicious stories onto the white women trying to grab a black child instead of seeing a mother running after her son or to suppose an old man was, talking was taking inappropriate photos of a young girl instead of seeing a grandfather capturing a special moment with his granddaughter. We yeah. talked about this as we walked around the deck. Yeah. It's, I mean, even in New York City, you can't, there are benches inside of, you know, uh, uh, like playgrounds for kids. Mm -hmm. And unless you are there with a child, you can't sit on those benches. They'll give you a ticket. Hmm. Like you and I here get a cup of coffee, go up there. There's no kids around. We sit down on a bench. And are talking. Cop can say you can't be in here without a kid. Like here's thirty dollar ticket. That's kind of silly. It's like so. What am I gonna do? You know. Yeah. What if I? You know. And so I can stand behind the bench. Yeah. I was and I, leer, but I can't. I was. Stand. It's I was. Silly. I was with. I was with uh, friends and their kids uh, a couple weeks and their kid a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about how crazy all that is. And there was an old woman like on one of those. What are they called? Uh, the little scooter things. Rascal. Rascal. She was on a rascal. And she was At least old. that's what mine is. Yeah. Like 80 <laughs> or 90 years old. You know what I mean? Like older, old, old sure. woman. 
Sure. And, you know, she was sitting there like watching the kids walk around. And I don't know if she's just sitting there because, you know, her daughter, who is her caretaker, said, let's go watch the kids because you're an old lady and you like watching kids. You know what I mean? Like because it makes you feel young or whatever, you know, or if maybe it was the grandmother of one of these kids or like it, it, it's somewhat irrelevant. I can't sit there and like watch kids because I think kids are fun to watch because they're cute and it's cool to be young. You know what I mean? Like, wh- why is that suddenly a crime? You know, um, it's it, the world has gotten a little crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. It's interesting. This 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 is the kind of stuff that makes me antsy because I don't like confrontation. So I read this kind of thing and I'm like, oh, yeah. God, if well, I were it, them, I would. I don't know right what here, I would do. Uh, right here in the article, Homeland Security instructs Americans, quote, if you see something, say something. Yeah. End quote. But at what point do our instinct, instincts compel us to act? And when does our fear of getting involved stop us? What causes someone to perceive one thing when an entirely different thing is happening? I've been thinking about this for weeks and have no clear answers. And that's what disturbs me the most. Well, it's a gray area. There are no answers. Yeah. You know, interesting though. Really interesting. interesting. Uh, We'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, Thank you, Alan. And a couple other people actually sent it in or emailed us about it. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so, uh, but thanks guys. We'll give Alan the credit. Don't give Alan the credit. Don't give Alan the credit. Okay. Uh, he was sitting at a park watching kids when he emailed that in. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so there's, uh, there was this article on Huffington Post about this model and she got together with some photographer named Pip Somerville, whoever Pip Somerville is. Just, that sounds like a superhero alias, doesn't it? Yeah. Is Pip Somerville a man or a woman? And does it matter? Interesting. Um, so anyway, he's, 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 he's an aquatic photographer, does things underwater. Okay. So he takes a picture of this model, this beautiful blonde woman underwater, and then puts up his final image in which he like made her stomach smaller. Not, and now they, they say up top, the, the, the headline of the article is the latest Photoshop fail starts an important conversation. Of course, it's BS headline, you know, HuffPo link bait crap. But what fascinates me is that they consider this a fo- like when I say when I say Photoshop fail, what do you what do you th- imagine when I say that? Uh, not catching that there's a third arm. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah. But is this a Photoshop fail or just an artistic decision on the point of the, on the part of the photographer and? I think it's both. Okay. And does, does the model get a say? Yes. They do? Yes. Okay. And it, like to, to, what, to what level? It's, should, it's, the lo- should the model get approval over the final image all the time or in certain cases or, or what? Uh, well, it was not disclosed. It was not discussed yeah. according to this article. Do you think this is egregious? Yes. You do? Yeah. Okay. I didn't see it as that. It's a, it, it perpetuates this notion that, that size fours and size twos and size zeros are the only sizes that are beautiful. And I think that's See, I don't know that it necessarily says that. I mean, I agree with you that that's ridiculous, but I don't know that that necessarily says that. Um, it, it I look at it and the guy says an, a, he's, an obsession. Yeah, okay, but, you know, all kinds of things in society perpetuate okay, But we're not okay. talking about okay. all kinds okay, of things. Well, we're no. talking about this. Okay, well, what if this guy, as a, you know, b- underwater beauty photographer, let's assume that's what he is, because it seems like that's what he is. 
Um, what? Okay, he doesn't retouch his things the way he feels like he needs to and doesn't get work because of it. Because that's the right thing to do. So because that's not what the market wants. Because he, he takes women from size eights to size fours? That's the only reason he gets work? No, I'm not saying it's the only reason he gets work, but th- that could be something where the magazine things go, oh, that picture doesn't look finished to me when he shows it in his portfolio. Because that's the way the market is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, you know, isn't there an but argument? Until people, until people change what is the norm or what is accepted in the market, the market's not going to change. I guess the question is, you, you know, it's sad okay, to me you, that, you, that, that these things ahead. are seen as experiments. It's sad that, that when Dove does the real beauty and, and they, you know, challenges and they don't retouch people and they don't make them look like size twos, it's seen as some sort of experiment. Um, no, I, that's ridiculous to I, me. I, I also, I agree that's ridiculous. And I agree that there are people who like people of all different sizes, but you know, we don't retouch people's faces to get rid of zits because, you know, we, we do that because that sells more X. You know what I mean? We don't do it because we really just believe women, women or women should be thinner. Men should be muscly. We have the people on the cover of Men's Health and Cosmo because those are the things that sell the magazine. So who's at fault here, the audience or the magazine? If the audience isn't going to buy the magazine, if the guy on the cover of Men's Health doesn't look like he's in that great a shape, you know, if he looks like you or me and he's on the cover of Men's Health, are we going to buy that magazine? You see what I'm saying? Like, I do see what you're saying, and there, I think and, it's and a there's, problem there, on both ends. There are plenty of women who like guys who look like me or guys who look like you or guys who look like, you know – some guy who weighs 280 pounds, you know, um, but but on a whole, there are certain standards of beauty. And is that morally wrong because there are standards of beauty? There always have been. But maybe that's the problem, Bill. And we keep perpetuating. Yeah, but who dis- perpetuating what? If that's what sells, if if Cosmo came out with a cover where they did an unretouched headshot of some model and a lot of them don't have really great skin. And it, 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 they weren't doing that ironically, and they weren't doing it as an experiment, and their sales fell in half. Well, it doesn't you know what I mean? Like the, I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying that it's it's right, but I'm just saying that if 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 there are certain standards, fitting people into those standards is not morally wrong. And you get to have that opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I just I look at this and I go, eh, the guy wanted to make the picture he wanted to make. Who cares? You know. Have have I? You then know, he should have found have, the girl that he wanted to make it with. Okay. I don't. I, I, I don't think there's. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't discussed. You know, I, I don't. I don't look like Thor. You know, and right? you know what? Like, and you. There's a whole lot of pressure, social pressure, so that I don't look like a guy with a beer gut and whatever it is too. And you know, women look at Brad Pitt in in. Uh, um, What's Do you really feel social pressure I the way you look? Is that really what you're telling me? Um, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, sure. I'm saying okay. that it, I, I don't think that it's entirely a female thing. I think it happens on both sides. You know? Okay, well, you know what? If you were shirtless on the cover of Men's Health and they decided to you know, digitally replace y- your chest and abs with, with those of Hugh Jackman, I'd yeah. have a problem with that too. Well, sure, but that's, I mean, that's... <sighs> How is it any different? Because I don't think this isn't like sticking somebody's head on somebody else's body. 
Are you saying, okay, so where is the gray area for nipping and tucking in Photoshop using, you know, there's lots of pictures where oh, we're going to make their legs a little bit longer. Is that illegal or illegal in your mind? You know, like, where's the line? I don't it's, know it's, that it's, it's legal or illegal, but the, the, the big thing was that it wasn't discussed or disclosed. Yeah. He just took it upon himself to do this. I, I mean, I, I would say that if you looked you at... Know, hey, we love your look. You're 5'4". We really need you to be 5'8". So we're going to do a little thing, you know, afterwards to kind of lengthen you out a little bit. And yeah. if they're okay with it, the model's okay with it, whatever, that's, that's different. This was just, I'm going to take this decision out of your hands, make it for myself, and 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 somehow leave you feeling less than because I th- of it. I think you're right in the sense that this is expected nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 expected, and I don't know that it's it's morally right or wrong, and I don't know that it is moral at all. I think it's a, I think it's a you know an artistic decision, and you know it's it's it, if if. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I I think that if, especially with, with well, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, especially with beauty models, I think that it's expected that there's going to do Photoshop stuff. And it's not like I'm taking a portrait of you as an individual. I'm using you basically as a, 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 a mannequin. You're a model. You're a model in the, in the true sense in that case. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you are essentially. I'm hiring you as an inanimate object that I can mold as I as I as I wish. Now, I don't shoot this kind of stuff, so this doesn't really apply to me. But I can imagine that that's how a lot of fashion photographers feel. You sure, know? you you're 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 fodder for what I'm trying to create. And if I decide I want to make your thighs a little bit more whatever, that's just part and parcel of the, of the game. Doesn't you know? it? But it doesn't help. With body image issues, it doesn't no, help sure. with with but perpetuating also, this notion that 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 perfection. Yeah. You know how many how many fine take it out of women take guys yeah. how many guys go into the gym and say I want to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club yeah a lot well good luck yeah well you could because look you know like what that if you want to starve and eat nothing yeah. but protein and Brad sure. Pitt looked like that for you know the Six days, days. That he was shooting yep. <laughs> yeah you know. Uh, yep. uh, 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 Chris Pratt looked like he does, like he did in, in guardians of the galaxy when they were shooting. Absolutely. And, and all these admission, models and actresses are exactly the same way. Yes. Right. Um, and, but see, you know that you don't think most people know that that is true. I don't think that that's part of, I don't think that's relevant to the discussion in you, this particular case, whether or not, you know, it's true. So, so I should just be okay with it. I mean, this, this girl should just be okay with it because that's the expectation and because everybody does it at what point well, does, I, I think because you everybody at, does it not hold water anymore. I think that if you look at this guy's work and everyone is really beautiful and flawless and whatever it is, I would assume that he's doing that kind of stuff in order to make these things look this way. Cause this stuff doesn't look this way without that kind of post-production you know and i know that well maybe i know that because i know how this stuff is done but like i you know it's not surprising to me that he does that i don't know i don't i i i think that it's if you wanted a size four or a size two then why didn't you go get a size four or a size two well would you have been would if 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 all if all models and all people had their picture taken for these things were actually the, the 
what they were in front of the camera, that would be okay. So it's just the fact that, that we use Photoshop okay, to get that I, result. I would, I would have less of a problem with it than, than sort of shoe digitally shoehorning them into it. Yeah. I don't know. I just look at this and I go big deal. Some guy took a picture of a girl and he used liquefy to make her tummy tighter. Like that, that to me is not this egregious thing that she's making that this article is making it out to be. This is part and parcel of the way that business works. And the guy's trying to make something he's, he's by definition trying to make something that is closer to perfection than reality. Cause reality doesn't look like that. And everyone should know that nowadays, you know, be an informed consumer, you know, and realize that when you use Siri, it's not going to give you the right answer every time. I don't know. I just, I, it's, we're, we're going to have to let this one go. Yeah, it's fine. We'll put the link in the show notes though. I think it's an interesting thing. I, I think it's very interesting. Hey, go on the flip side. Why use photography when you could just use 3d studio max? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We got to call Gary Ost on this one. What's what, what is this? Give me- uh, so apparently 75% of roughly of, of uh, the photographs in the, the current Ikea catalog are not photographs at all, but they are they are completely CG environments. I think this is kind of cool. I do too. Yeah. This is exactly, you know, the places where photography is being replaced that everyone's all upset about or whatever it is, this is exactly the kind of place where it makes sense to replace photography. Does that make sense? And you, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. This, you know, is, if this you, is a better way to do it. I, I completely agree. It's pretty. Yeah, they do a really good job too. It's fascinating. I, I, I. Now, who gets credit? Hmm. But the artist? photographer would get photo credit. Would there? Should there be uh, a disclosure of the team of of modelers and and TDs and texture riggers and and you know all this kind of should should that be? Yeah, but for advertising, like if I do a thing for some advertisement, it doesn't say down the bottom photograph by Bill Wadman. Yeah, you know yeah. that's that's sort of all behind the scenes because it's work for hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. know. I think it's cool, and whoever they have doing them is really good. Yeah, I mean it's beautiful lighting, and look, they, they're they're this is they can not, create you know, they can create perfection in post. Yeah, this is not POV ray back in the day. No, right. This, yeah. this is. I mean, you've got beautiful, you know, radiosity, the lighting, you've got ambient occlusion, you've got all of these really wonderful real world things that happen with light going on. Yeah, this is this is getting up to the top of the top of the game. You know, these people are yeah. these people are are serious people. I think it's cool. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. Uh, I, I would love to to uh, see the wireframes, the mesh of of some of these things. You know what, maybe the, there's the article, fascinating article on the computer here. I'm going to. This go one on CG here. Society has one. Yeah, I was, going, I was going to look for that. It it's has, got one behind the scenes thing of a guy sitting at a desk, which may or may not be real. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how they, yeah, just making little tiny changes. And then each year they can just say, oh, we got rid of that project product, but all these other ones are there. You know, so let's, right. let's, let's just swap out that chair on the left-hand side and we have this year's picture too. That's, I, that's like perfect for what they need. Yeah. And uh, look, you were right. They actually are using 3ds max. <laughs> hey Gary. That's funny. <laughs> and they have a uh, bank of 25,000 models. That's cool. I don't know. I think it's neat. People, yeah. who, people who do 3d stuff on this level. 
It's just a whole other, a whole other level. Uh, we UV map in real world scale as well, which most places don't do. When, where we UV map the texture, we do that on a model at the physical size. What's UV map? Um, texture maps. Ah. So, so they, they wrap, wrap, instead of using like a plane. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. They'll, yeah. they'll wrap it around. Yep. Um, I would love to be able to model even in more detail, maybe down to even the molecule level. Yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, so they model the the chairs if they they could zoom in on the chair pretty close and right. The, the, right. So yeah, okay. And everything would hold up. Right. So it's not like they're creating they're not creating the textures based upon distance. They're every every object has its own textures at full size. Yeah, and they're it looks using like one smaller. To one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's got to so be a lot of juice to render these things. Very early on, we created around two hundred CG exchanges versions for fifty photographed kitchens in two thousand eight with the products we had. And I think that began, everyone began to understand the real possibilities. It's such a cool idea. It's a good idea. Whoever had this idea pro for you. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, think about all the little, not just the cabinets and the floors and the, but you've got a model, the knives the and the napkins and the, the, and the espresso machines. Yeah. 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 Everything. Yep. And the, the bottles of, of uh, 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 olive oil on the counter yeah. and the flowers and the, the chalkboards and the... <laughs> Fascinating. It's pretty cool. Anyway, so I'm yeah. okay with getting replaced in this sense because that's pretty cool. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you got for assignments this week? What are, what are we talking about? Oh, public art was last week, right? Street art, yeah. Street art, Which rather, yeah. people were digging. Yeah, people like uh, the street art. This was, this was I think... It wasn't quite as popular as Crush, but but it was it was up there. Um, some really really good stuff. Uh, let's see, who 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 are we going to talk about today? Let's see. Let's. You're going to call people out. Call people. Uh, Neil Waybright, big mural in uh, in Venice Beach. That's pretty cool. Um, Russ Olney. Yeah, I like that one too. That's a really neat one. Big old side of the building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First, you don't succeed. Call an airstrike. Yeah. Is that a, uh, that looks very Banksy. Yeah. A little bit. Is it a, uh, I wonder if it's, it's probably a ripoff. I don't know yeah. if it's actually him. Oh, uh, I like the window one that Russ did too. The fake hey, Jason, window. Jason Fosera found a unicorn. Yeah. 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 That's pretty funny. It's good uh, stuff. yeah. Another one from Neil. Uh, there's some really good street art in LA. There's a lot of really great stuff. in LA. I like the Cam's Campbell one of the yes and no. Yep. Yep. Uh, Derek, boy, Derek West went crazy. He, he posted a ton of stuff. Very cool. He's a machine. That guy. He's, a <laughs> Derek. he's a machine. Uh, Millie, of course, Millie killing it all the time. Uh, Millie. Yeah. Millie, what are you shooting with most of the time? Are you shooting? She's with got an X 10. She's got an Olympus and an X. I thought I mean, an she X uses the X 100 S a lot. Is that it? Yeah, okay. That's what she had last time I saw her. She uh, came to a meetup in New York here. They're supposed to be doing an X100T at yeah. Photokina. You know, I went into, I was in town the other day and I had a few minutes to kill. I went in to go, what did I buy? I was buying t-shirts at, apparently I have this one t-shirt in my drawer that I was like, I really like the way this t-shirt feels. Where'd this come from? Because it's not like the other ones that I had, you know? One of these shirts yeah. is not like the other. And it turns out that it comes from Suburban Outfitters or Suburban Outfitters as I call it. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they still have these. So I went over there to get a couple T-shirts. And then I was walking around Chelsea, and I was like, you know what? I want to go look at that X-T1 viewfinder because I haven't 
put my eye to it yet, and everyone oh, here we raves go. about it. Here we go. So I go into Adorama. his response? No, I go into Adorama to get one. I could not get somebody to open a case to show me one. None of them are out. And everyone's like looking past me. It got to the point where I was like, oh my God, I've been here for 15 minutes and I can't put my eye to a camera. This is ridiculous. And I walked out. Were they busy? No. It was just like everyone was working with somebody, but they could have easily like turned to me and go, hey, you need something real quick. You know what I mean? And no one did. Yeah, but they're not. They're not going to give you a camera and then turn their back on you and just well, let you they, play they with it. Stand by the, no, but they they stand by the counter with you. You know, it was, it was just like every other wow. camera was out except for the Fuji ones. That's funny. And I was like, ugh. At a certain point, I just said, you know, this is why I don't come to a camera store. I might as well order the damn thing on Amazon, have it shipped to me, and I'll ship it back the next day. You know. Uh, First anyway. world problems. You couldn't wait 15 minutes to look at a camera. I don't know. I just not. I wasn't. I wasn't going to buy it. I was trying to do it quick and easy on a Thursday <gasps> oh. afternoon. Such um, little, you're such a little bitch sometimes. Oh, I am. <laughs> um, what's the new What's the new assignment? New assignment. Uh, yeah. So lots of good street art. Go Go check if you haven't looked. Oh, and 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 ah, and. slow down. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go sorry, ahead. Sorry. Twelve hundred people. Twelve hundred members. That's something. That's awesome. That's a lot of people. So, yay group. Yeah. A lot of people have been nice, saying nice things about how. You know, it's the one group they can come post stuff where they get actual useful criticism and good That's conversation great. and that kind of stuff. So we're I, very proud I, of that. I love this group. Yeah. You guys, you guys make doing this fun. Uh, okay. So new assignment. Yep. Angles. Mm. We haven't done this one yet. Angles. I like it. So. I have an idea. You know, do you? For an angle shot? Yeah. All right. I've been thinking about it for days, actually. Actually, weeks. I just haven't gotten around to taking the picture. All right. Well, you know. Get out there and take the picture. That's the best part. It's in my apartment. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. Angles. So angles, uh, 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 the, the link to the group, if you need it, is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash capital O-T-P group. Yep. Just the O-T-P. I don't, actually, I don't think you need to capitalize it. So it's just bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash O-T-P group. You can find it in the show notes as well. Uh, photographer of the week this week. Yeah, what do you got? You you chose this one, Howard Schatz. Yeah, good how do you stuff. feel about that monster? Yeah, he's a monster. one of those guys that that has been shooting and still continues to shoot everything. Just shoots, yeah. shoots, 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 and and well, gets hired to shoot everything too, which is what I kind of like about it. So, you know, he's uh, you know, he does portraits. He's been doing portraits for years. He did that great shot of um, Dinklage. Like with his arms out, like he's, uh, he's, he's on the cross. Like the Jim Morrison kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that one, that stuff's really great. He does all those, uh, in character, uh, images for, uh, Vanity Fair where it's the actors and they're making goofy faces and that kind of stuff. And they Photoshop them together. So it's like a string of the same actor making goofy faces. Um, those are really great. The Dinklage series of those was terrific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, he's, you know, he's one of these guys who's just been around for a long time, working on stuff for a long time, doing different stuff all the time. Uh, he does uh, underwater photography. He does dance photography. He shoots uh, action kind of long exposure stuff. He does beauty stuff. He does advertising. This guy's like unbelievable how much stuff he puts out. Uh, newborns, new mothers, and, and, and all the rest of it. He did a whole uh, series of stuff on, he did uh, Cirque du Soleil images. You know, they hired him to come out and do. 
yep. uh, which are, are are beautiful and different and that kind of thing. He put up something the other day um, uh, of of his growing up project, which uh, Jeffrey, if you look at, um, we're going to put a link in the show notes because he has a new book coming out. Yeah, it's a huge book. Uh, yeah, it's a huge book. It's a double double thing. It's 832 pages, uh, 1,083 photographs. Yeah. And there are I only I can't afford it. And there are only 800 of them or 500 yeah. of them. 500 signed copies. Uh, pre-order is 350 bucks, which is actually a really bad. good deal considering yeah. what you're getting and the fact that there are only 500 of them. Uh, after January 1st of this next year, they're they're $500 when it comes out. Uh, so you're pre-ordering through through December, 350 bucks. But uh, if if you go to the site with his with his book, there's a there's a there's a series. He has this thing called Growing Up, where he's taking pictures of people. Here, I'll give you a link here. I got it. I got, got it in there. Growing uh, group one or group two? Uh, well, this is um, uh, let me see. Not his main website, Growing Up. It's 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 through the it's through the books page. Are you looking at that one? Uh, so if you go to books, you'll get his new book and then you can like look inside the book and then you can choose growing up there. And there's like, they have the mother pregnant and then the baby and then two years, six years, 10 right. years, and then, tw- or, you know, whatever it is. And then like this beautiful woman, 20 year old girl. And then the same thing with the guy where it's the pregnant mother, you know, going through a little kid and then he grows facial hair. Not a good move, kid. Um, I just, I just think that that's a really cool idea, you know? It's it's yeah. it's sort of like the the whatever that boyhood movie is that I haven't seen. Right, right, right. Um, it's like that, but with photographs. I mean, obviously not something that's never been done, but just really great. You know the way he does it. Fantastic photographer. Yeah, has shot almost everything uh, you can wow, imagine. Really? Yeah, this is really nice. So uh, everyone should go check out uh, Howard Schatz because he's uh, there. There is just a ton of work on his site. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know, you might have to parse it out a little bit because it's, yeah, go look at a few things and then come back the next time. Yeah, they're, I, they're I don't know really, how he does this much stuff. It's amazing. Guy must be working every single day. Uh, he's he's working. He's yeah. working. Uh, yeah, the the acting series, uh, some really really great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a terrific picture of Jeff Daniels, who is one of my favorite actors. Yeah, he's 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 got a very uh, uh, a picture of Matthew Carter from 2007, uh, our our type design friend, who who I've met and shot myself. But he has this picture, like this really dramatic shot of 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 uh, Matthew Carter, like moving his hands, like teasing out letters with like letters projected behind him. <laughs> yeah, um, interesting stuff. Good stuff. So Howard Chats is our photographer of the week. Go check it out. And uh, if you're the kind of person who collects books, uh, go uh, go get his book. You know, to, to stay on this for a second, n- not only multiple subject matter and subject yep. types, but very different photographic processes, very different lighting, very different aesthetic yeah. quality throughout. I think part of that is just because of the time over which these pictures were taken. Mm. You know what I mean? In the sense that the guy's been shooting since the 80s. I think that that things have his, his, his look has changed over time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, I think that that's kind of one of the cool things about looking at photographers who have been around this long is that you can, you can, uh, you can see how their look changes over time, uh, and, and see how they, how they use lighting differently, how certain films came in and out of fashion, how, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's very cool stuff. So it's kind of a you, yes, it's a it's a it's a presentation of their work, but it's also a time capsule of photography itself. Yes, exactly. That's kind of exactly 20, thirty years. My yeah. sister has a thing. My sister's a museum specialist. You know, that's what she does. She works at the Smithsonian. And I remember we were at the Museum of Natural History here in New York, and um, there was a there was a section of it that was all of these um, uh, dioramas of certain animals or certain people. Like it was, um, you know, Eskimos, and they have like you know life size Eskimos in sure, a sure, scene, sure. you know, yeah. with the painted background and stuff. Yeah, they and have that f- at the L.A. County Museum yeah, okay. too. And it feels so very old because these things were done at the turn of the century or in the teens or the twenties or the thirties. You know what I mean? Right. Right. They, they don't make things like this anymore. And I said to Melissa, I was like, I'm surprised a lot of this stuff is still here. And she's like, well, the thing is that museums like this that have been around this long and have, have sort of have such a history are themselves are themselves museums about museums mm-hmm. in the sense that certain exhibits are there because they are now sort of classic historical exhibits of a certain type. And right. therefore they, they sort of have uh, attained sort of protected. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's they're like UNESCO world heritage sites of the museum world. Right, right, right. And I, mean, I just I, think that I, that's kind of cool. I have memories of going to the LA County museum of natural history as a kid. And you go there as an adult and you go, I, I remember these. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the bobcats on the, on the little faux rocks or the, the buffalo standing there with the, with the painted backdrops or whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah, they look so dated, but at the same time, if they were gone, I would feel like I missed out on the experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, can yep. I just say one last thing about Dorothea yeah. Lang? Yeah. Died of esophageal cancer. She was a chain smoker for most of her life. So stop smoking people. We want to keep you around. <laughs> what do you see, Everett Coop? I don't know. It just, ugh. I saw, I saw two parents smoking the other day. They had two little kids, and the two parents were like walking, pushing a stroller, and, and they were both like smoking, walking down the street. And I just looked at it. I was like, that's just gross. Smoking is just gross. I don't know. Ugh. And then people die. Like, you know, I know lots of people who have died of lung cancer and stuff. I don't know. So try to quit smoking if you can. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so next week is. This is really surreal. That was really weird. It was just strange. It's still it's true. Just, I don't know. This I, public service announcement brought to you by On Taking Pictures. <laughs> hey, kids, put down that butt. It's true, though, and you know I'm right. Um, uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? so strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you done laughing at me yet? Okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, 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 <laughs> podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Yeah. Uh, if you want to, you know, send in uh, something, notes, questions. Yep. Cash money. No? Yeah. Anything? Yep. Uh, hey, hey, listeners, I'm still looking for that XT1. So, <laughs> you know, help a brother out. <laughs> yeah. And leave a voicemail. We got a nice voicemail today. Yeah. From a buddy you, in Michigan. Can you cut that in? The one from Tom? Uh, yeah, I can probably do that. We'll put it in right here. Hey, boys, it's Tom in Michigan. If you guys didn't overthink things, you would not have a show. So please keep overthinking it. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Way to so go, Tom. Podcast not taking pictures dot com. You're Jeffrey Sidoris on Twitter. I'm Bill Wadman on Twitter. Uh, what else? We go need take to some say? pictures. Yeah. Uh, show notes at five by five dot tv slash otp slash one. What are we at? One twenty. One twenty three. One two three. Didn't, didn't say that at the top of the show. Uh, this is on taking pictures. You have been listening to on taking pictures episode one twenty three. All right, let these people go. They got things to do and people to see. <laughs> Talk to you later. Thanks Bye. for listening. the way